Okay, folks, thanks for listening today. I am very excited to have Brent Bouchong on the phone um, to talk about a new restaurant that uh, he and his partners have just opened called the Velveteen Habit. And uh, they're in uh, just outside of a Gunquit, Maine, and uh, have a really cool story. So, hey, Brent, thanks a lot for taking the time to do this today. That's my pleasure, man. I'm happy to happy to be a part of it. So I know you've been in the uh, you've been in the hospitality business really for not your all of your your working career. Is that right? Just about. I, I spent uh, a number of years in the Marine Corps, and when I got out of the Marine Corps, I kind of fell into the business by accident. I didn't really know what else besides a Marine I wanted to be, and uh, getting a kitchen job was the easiest thing for me. People are always looking for kitchen help, and it just turned out that I, I fell in love with it right away and never looked back. Um, did you, I, I mean, I'll, you know, I, I would just imagine that I know it takes a really great work ethic to be successful in the restaurant business and sort of discipline and diligence. And, I mean, are, are there are there attributes from being a Marine that you think crossed over that have helped you out, or is that just too much of a, <laughs> well, you already, did you already have a lot of those characteristics? Uh, no, I, I certainly didn't. Um, you know, I, I, I could tell you stories about how many times my dad make me go back and re-clean things I was supposed to clean the first time. So there's there's definitely a part of it that, that comes from the military. And I, I get teased by the staffs with whom I work on a pretty regular basis about needing to have more of a, uh, <clears throat> of a life outside of my dedication to restaurants. But the, the other half of the answer to that question is, you know, the people think it's it's either one of two things. It's either that you have to have a passion or a work ethic for the restaurant business in order to be successful. And I I tend to find that you have to have a full load of both. Uh, you've got yeah. to really be able to commit yourself to and kneel before the beast that is the restaurants. Uh, but you also have to have the work ethic. You can come up with all kinds of great ideas and want to entertain people all you want, but if you're not willing to you know, get your fingernails dirty and, and put the work into it. Certainly with the type of restaurant we have, it's just not going to work. Yeah, and get your fingernails dirty and put the work into it day after day after day. It, it's yes, not sir. a it's yes, not sir. a one thing where you can kind of like fire out, you know, on all cylinders, you know, once a week and then rest <laughs> on your laurels. I mean, it's really, truly a, a daily grind. Um, uh, and you guys that really have it figured out, I, I, I agree with that. I think you really nailed it. You, it, it does take the passion. It does take the work ethic and discipline and marrying those two together. And it would be hard to do it well without having both. Well, I, you know, I think it's it's funny. Um, there are people who will mention, you talk about restaurants and people, oh, it's such a tough business. So many of them fail. And how do you do it every day? I, I certainly am not comparing myself to a professional athlete in any other way other than the metaphor here, but being a professional athlete isn't entirely different in the sense that every minute that they're not practicing or working out or getting ready is a minute that someone else is. And for the very few times that I consider competition in the business, you know, our competition is ourself. We, you know, if, we, if we're not paying attention to what the, the guests in the restaurant want, but still towing that, that fine line where we're not necessarily, I don't want to say dumbing down, but, you know, you you put a product up and you see a lot of restaurants that come in with this business plan and this idea, and they put a product up and then they get nervous because people don't respond well to it right away. And there's story after story after story about people who, Massimo Boturo is a great example in Italy, comes up with this thing, this idea, and people think it's too much and it's trying too hard. 
He stays with it. He stays with it. He stays with it. And then next thing you know, the guy's got three Michelin stars and he's world famous. So, again, I, I, I'm not comparing myself even to that, but the daily grind isn't a bad thing uh, so long as you really believe in what you're doing. And I, I think that that's probably the hardest part, is subscribing to an idea and then, you know, continuing to pay that subscription. And that's that's tough, too, because um, it takes a lot of internal self-confidence and uh and when you don't see maybe there's immediate results, I mean, I imagine that's just, it's a hard thing to just to, to stick with that. Like your example of the guy in Italy, like what, you know, what, what does it take inside to just say, I, I know I'm right. Cause some people may have that mentality and then eventually be wrong. Um, but, but, of course. um, I, I, but it is, it is something that you really have to, uh, a lot of times I just think in, in your business and any business really, you know, to be, to do something really well, a lot of times you, you may do something, different than, you know, what people are used to or whatever. And then, uh, it, it, you know, you have a lot of people that may say that's crazy or doubt you or whatever, but if you really believe in what you're doing and you have that passion and diligence. So, I mean, that's kind of, you know, like there's no formula for success, but these are some really important things. So folks listening, I mean, Brent has some really great <clears throat> advice around this, around, um, you know, what it takes to, you know, that's it, not going to guarantee success, but it sure, uh, sure mitigates a lot of the risk. When, when you know you, you take that kind of philosophy and that drive and that discipline and passion and confidence. Um, so, well, tell us about the Velveteen Habit, man. You guys are new, and and so what's what's the story around what you're doing? Uh, we're pretty excited about it. It's um, it's the effort to fill some pretty big shoes at the outset. You know, we we took a property over from two pretty highly regarded chefs, uh, Mark and Clark, uh, Mark uh, Guy and Clark Frazier, that used to run Arrow's Restaurant. Uh, they were here for 25 years, and they really kind of put the idea of farm to table to the next level. You know, they've got about an acre and a half, or they had, I should say, about an acre and a half of garden behind the restaurant uh, that they they made just beautiful gardens. I uh, got a lot of their food from the gardens. Really did some, some amazing things. I uh, did some really cool dinners. Um, a little pricey, but they, they really, I mean, they had a claim right up to the end. They won a James Beard Award right at the end of their time here. And then they, they wanted to kind of go on to their casual concept. So they were looking for someone to take the property over. Uh, we did. And we wanted to we wanted to avoid people thinking that it was Arrows 2.0 for a few reasons. That My, my colleague Ben um, will tell you that, you know, we, we didn't want people thinking it was Arrows because we didn't want people to worry about coming in to pay you know, quite as much money as, as the style of dining they were offering. And the other half of it is we didn't want people to think we were piggybacking on their success either. So we we came up with this idea that we wanted to make a restaurant that would be a modern interpretation of how people would have eaten in this building when the building was built in 1765. Mm. So bringing in, you know, quarters and halves of beef, bringing in whole pigs, doing butchery on the property, you know, we're going to keep bees behind the, the blueberry bushes that we have in the garden. It's very sustainable but not sustainable because that's the coolest word in the uh, food lexicon these days. Doing it because it's the right thing to do, and as our chef Chris Wilcox would tell you, doing it because it tastes delicious. And that's that's it. Food and wine are supposed to be about enjoying yourself so much that you go home and make out with somebody, and, and that's what we want to make happen in this restaurant, you know? Hey, that's awesome. So you guys are really um, – that's crazy. You got, you got like – what is it like an an acre farm? Um, well, that's four, acre four, yeah, four acres of property, uh, a whole okay. acre of which is dedicated to the garden. 
Um, we have a full-time gardener. His name's Garrett Bent. He's just he's brilliant. He um, has a degree in plant physiology, and uh, you know we've got a, a big greenhouse that he starts pretty much everything in and moves that out into the cold frames. Uh, we're just coming out of frost season now. Just the next week or so, we'll be past the official warnings. So things are going into the cold frames, and then we've turned the gardens in such a way that he'll run 30-inch beds all the way through. So we'll probably yield about 60% more than our predecessors, um, only because they, you know, they had a, a garden that was, you know, beautiful that happened to have vegetables, and we're turning it into a garden that happens to be pretty but is primarily, you know, production-based. That's really cool. I noticed that, man. I think that's just, I don't, I've never been, I, I, maybe I just haven't been to enough restaurant websites, but I've never been to one where I saw a profile of the, of the uh, you know, the folks involved, and uh, one of them was, was head gardener. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Garrett. So I thought that was, that's really cool. So then, well, so you, so you've got that, so you're going to, I mean, how much of your, I mean, how much of your, your, your produce were you, well, are you going to get all of it from the garden or? Not all of it. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that we'll use in the restaurant isn't necessarily local. You know, for example, we're not we're not growing lemons in the garden, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. But we'll probably be between 75 and 80 percent. And one of the items on the menu we have right now, we just call it garden lettuces and herbs, and it'll be whatever assortment of things Garrett and uh, Pamela, the other gardener, uh, whatever whatever they bring in during the day, the chef will just put together and, and put onto a plate. Um, you know. When he, when Chris Wilcox, our executive chef, first came up uh, to cook for Ben and I as part of the interview process, he, um, and, and it's a slight bias, Chris and I have worked together in two other restaurants. He's, he's the guy that we wanted from the beginning. But Ben hadn't seen him cook, so of course we had to bring him up. The first thing he did is he walked out into the garden with Garrett, just pulled a bunch of things out of the ground and made a salad out of that with a vinegar that he made from, from scratch. And, you know, most of the time when you're dealing with vegetables, you don't really have to do much. They're just, they're good when they're grown the right way and Garrett grows them the right way. So just a couple little touches here and there and you've got a pretty remarkable dish, you know? That's awesome. And then you, so, but you in Maine, you've got a lot of cold months. Are you, so you have, you have, you grow at the greenhouse during winter months or? That's a good question. Yeah. So we we're in zone five and um, every layer of cover drops the zone, right? So, being in the greenhouse uh, takes the the growing abilities into zone four. If we would do uh, row tunnels inside the greenhouse, that takes it down to three. You know, Garrett had a germination box that he gets everything started in, so that drops us down a little more. So we can really, I mean, we can't control nature necessarily, but as far as the, the, the starting process, we can really get some things going. And as we get into this season with all the snow that we had, you may have seen on the news, we, we had a over 120 inches of accumulation this winter. Uh, that sucks for a little while, but then as it starts to melt, you know, that's given us gallons upon gallons of uh, groundwater per square foot as it, as it goes down. So ultimately, yeah. it's going to be a, a nice hot summer. Uh, we're going to have a lot of groundwater. I think we're going to have a, a really, really productive uh, uh, season based on, on the way the winter went. Oh, man, that's really cool. And then, so you guys, so you've got livestock on the property too? We don't have livestock on the property, no. That's, that's one of those things we keep talking about. Um, we're doing as much as we can do without having to involve the USDA just yet. Uh, we're not we're not quite ready to go that route, uh, but we're going to start off with bees. I happen to be a, a beekeeper myself, so we're going to have three colonies out back uh, that we'll you know, maybe harvest at the end of the year. 
Um, then when we winterize the bees, we'll, we'll use the wax for candles on the table for the following year. And, of course, the honey will be used for any number of things in the restaurant, from the bar to the cheese program to the to the kitchen itself. Uh, next year, we're, we're talking about chickens. And once you get chickens, you know, you kind of start to work your way back. Who knows who knows what the kind of animal businesses you get into after that. That's really cool. What a cool story you'll have. So are you, are you open now, or are you getting ready, ready to open, or what? Well, we're not open today. We are open uh, as a season, though. We we started. Uh, we did our grand opening on the 17th and 18th of April, and we did a couple okay. soft, quiet openings before that just to get our feet wet. And now the the season really picks up after the holiday, so we'll have a lot more folks coming up. Um, and we've had some really, really amazing cooperation from uh, not only the local townsfolk but the uh, the city of York, helping us out with regulations and. You know, helping us get the word out, and then the the restaurants in this area, folks like uh, uh, Ben Hasty and his girl Jen over at this restaurant called the Thistle Pig. They've really helped point us in the right direction with vendors. Uh, some of the vendors that we have here in town that have helped us out have really really boosted business. It's just been, you know, it's it's amazing to be a part of a community that wants to help business. Um, I've been in some towns that, it, that you know, they're Everything seems so contrary to making small businesses successful, and this town is is absolutely the epitome of what what towns should be in getting businesses successful. You know, we've we've already had a couple of full nights in the dining room, and we're not even at peak season yet. So, we we couldn't be more thankful to to the folks that I was just talking about for the help they've given us in that regard. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, it really helps to be in the right kind of community. So it seems like you've really uh. You've gone. I mean, you've, you've gone. You know, you've been involved with several different places over the years and uh, learned a ton. And now you're a part of something that I can just tell in your voice. You 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 do have that passion. And it sounds like a really special thing that you're doing, and it's a unique thing. The story is really cool to hear, and uh, just the way. I mean, like, uh, just man, I, I think that's got to be. I know the work is is uh, hard, and there's no guarantees, but you guys uh, have you know just a really unique. Um, opportunity it sounds like there so i tip my hat man tell me a little bit then about you know your your career in the business and um i mean what what are some of the things you've probably seen you know people that have been wildly successful people that have that have failed what um what what are some things you've kind of learned along the years that if you were you know kind of if you got a hold of your a younger you that you would say look you know you don't know this now but here's here's some things you need to know to, to make it happen well, in this I, business. We I was that thinking, a little bit. I was I'm thinking this was, yeah, I, I thought this was just going to be a 20-minute interview, but if I can give myself advice, it might go on for days. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, uh, the first thing I would tell myself is just to shut the hell up. Uh, I, If I uh, if I could have stopped making noise and trying to toot my own horn maybe even just a year ahead of when um, my true mentor in this business, uh, this guy named Jim Solomon in Boston, he runs a restaurant called The Fireplace, and um, he he helped me in a lot of ways. One of the ways was telling me to to quit my job with him and travel. He said, you need to take the, the Nietzsche approach and just leave. Shut up. Stop talking. Stop trying to act like you know anything and just go learn. And uh, he says, there'll be a day when you'll realize that you've made all the mistakes that there are to make, and that's the day that you are officially good at this business. He goes, not until then. Because every time you find a new mistake to make, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. So my advice to anybody starting is just let the business humble you and make all the mistakes. And once that happens and you can fix all those mistakes, that's when you're ready to, to take yourself to the next level. 
Um, I, I tell my staff here all the time, you know, and, and, and the chef is the same way. We are uh, going to succeed because there isn't anything you can mess up that I haven't already messed up, and I know the way out. And it's a, it's a huge upper hand, you know, and, and for uh, Chris in the kitchen, same thing with him and his sous chef, Dan Haley. You know, they've, they've made all the mistakes. They've seen all the things that can go wrong. They know how to pull out of them. You know, and then Ben, uh, my my other half in the office up there talking all day long and his his ability to kind of let these things go and, and let us make these things happen. It's just, it's a tremendous amount of uh, uh, of cooperation. And if, if, in fact, anyone gets to the point where they realize that they have, in fact, made all those mistakes, if they can find a couple of people to surround themselves with that are smarter than them and even more eager to do it, you can't fail. Yeah, man, that's awesome. We'll see there, you know, that's a, and it's a great way to put it, too. Like, uh, you know, there, there's no mistake you can make I haven't already made, and I know my, I know the way out of it. That's a, it's a great, I'm, I'm sure it's just a really, uh, I can imagine it's, you know, a team member to hear that uh, is very encouraging. Um, it's very helpful to know that um, you guys know, you know, people are going to screw up. And but but to then to then say because I've done it myself, that that's really cool. I mean that's a great leadership characteristic uh, that you have, uh, Brent. So I mean that's uh, a, a really um, just an admirable way to go about it, man. Um, and I think your mentor gave you some phenomenal advice, man. That's that's fantastic advice. I wish I had gotten the same advice. It took me a lot longer to figure a lot of that stuff out. Uh, <laughs> They're screwing up and finally going, but yeah, man, that was that was really good. So, did you do that? Did you go travel for a while, or what did you do? I did. I uh, he he basically gave me gave me my notice. He said he was going to fire me in two months, but that if I uh, if I left, he would pay me a severance for the amount of days I had left in that time frame. And so I packed up my car and I, I left about two weeks later and left with whatever I could put in my car. I went up to California first, um, worked for probably three of the best chefs in the San Francisco area. Uh, after that, I was in L.A. for a short while. Uh, went to Spain and France for a little bit. I was in Chicago, New Orleans, uh, down to Santa Barbara, California, um, into the city of New York, and then into Connecticut. Actually, where I met um, our chef now, we opened a restaurant together in, in uh, the center of Connecticut. Uh, and then after that, we started talking about the idea of doing something like this, and and that's uh, that's what gets us here. That's awesome, man. Uh, how long have you been planning developing habits? Well, I think I think the the short answer is about 15 years. But this specific site, uh, Ben and I started talking about it. Um, I guess about two years ago, and the original idea was to have kind of a small 10 or 12 plate you know, a 10 or 12 plate menu, bistro-y kind of wine bar. Um, and that evolved into a 5,000 square foot restaurant with four acres of property real fast when when this all kind of came through. And then having more of a of a business background than a restaurant background really brokered a pretty good deal. And uh, that's when we started to get aggressive about rewriting the business plan such that it would set this model. We uh, closed on the property at the end of October of last year, and it's just been nonstop since then. Ben, when you say Ben, oh Ben, it's, you know, he was a he was in investment banking or something, right? He, he had a yeah, he was, but you know, he's he's um, if you talk to his parents, he'll tell you since he's been about since he was about ten years old, he's talked about owning a restaurant, 
it's something he's wanted to do all of his life. And uh, right before he went off to Wall Street, he had set up uh, an application to go to the Culinary Institute of America. But at the last minute, um, he got a pretty good offer on Wall Street, and he kind of made the practical decision. But I think for every minute he was on Wall Street, he was plotting and plotting and plotting to, to open a restaurant still. And obviously, you know, entertaining the clients he entertained. He spent a lot of time eating out and traveling for, for dining. And his wife also very much into, you know, food and wine. And it's it's very easy to say, oh, I like food and wine. I'm going to open a restaurant. And Ben is uh, Ben's a, a much smarter guy than that. And he, he's very careful about making sure he gets the pieces in place to make it work the right way. So, you know, uh, it's, it's it's been nothing short of a pleasure. Yeah, you know, that, that brings up a good point, actually. I mean, there, there are a lot of people that say, uh, you know, uh, oh, I'm a foodie and, um, you know, the restaurant business seems cool and maybe I have, um, you know, some access to capital or whatever. I'm going to go open a restaurant. But um, but to your point, I mean, if you do that and your heart's not in it and you don't have the, you don't have the passion, you don't have what we talked about at the beginning, the discipline, the work ethic, that's, that's, that's almost a recipe for disaster, isn't it? 100%. Hundred yeah. percent. You know the, the the. Have you seen that the, along you? I mean, have you seen that along the oh, way? Oh yeah. Have you seen people do that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I've I uh, I've done a lot of consultation with folks who open restaurants that just aren't going quite the way they wanted to go, and they uh, they'll hire. And I for a while I was working as a consultant when I was kind of floating around getting ready to do this project, and come in and and they'd have whatever practices that they they thought were good because it was their idea, but they're not quite as good as they may think. And we you know are are having these conversations about, um, you know, I'm going to be telling you things you're not going to like because this is your idea, but if it's not working, it's not working, and you've got to just be okay with that. Oh, of course, I understand, I understand. And you start making the suggestions, and of course they're not okay with it because it was their idea. And, well, I've been doing this since I opened. So, right, but you're up to close because of this idea. You need to you need to get outside of your own head and think about what's practical and what makes sense. And it's more often than not that people aren't willing to relinquish their, not even their ideas, because, you know, ideas can always work. You just have to come at them from the right direction. It's when people don't want to change the way they actually execute the idea to the detriment of the business. So, yeah, I've, I've seen it, and not just with folks I work with, but also, you know, in other restaurants that I don't have a part in, when you, you can kind of see the sink and ship and people aren't willing to make the adjustments to correct the problem. Uh, and that's frankly, and I've, I've said this to Ben, I'd say it to you, I, it was one of my initial concerns with him was that, you know, he doesn't have a tremendous amount of experience on this side of, of the world, and I don't know if he's going to if he's gonna want to listen to the things I say. But I tell you, man, with, uh, with only one notable exception, and when he listens to this, he'll know what I'm talking about, each time we've had a conversation, I mean, he, he listens objectively and... and uh, you know, we we go the right direction. We've, I I I just I I can't say enough about the guy and in, in the way that uh, the way that he works. It's it's been it's been a hundred times better even than I thought I was going to be working with him. Well, do you think that um and it's it's made, which is exact I mean which is awesome that you have that and it's but you've also seen the other side of that and I'm curious like when you have these people like that say okay sure you know I'm I'm willing to listen and then when you you dig in and they don't is it why is, is it ego? I mean, is it, does it come down to like sometimes the ego gets in the way of, of uh, or pride gets in the way of putting the business first? One hundred percent of the time. It's, yeah, no, it's, okay. it's, it's one hundred percent of the time. It's ego. This this business sets people up for 
uh, ego falls all the time. Um, you know, the best the best people in this business are the ones who don't need to tell anyone that they own the place. Uh, an example ah. of that is uh, Chef Chef Thomas Keller of the French Laundry and Per Se and on and on and on. Built a little empire for himself, and um, I've been out with him to places where, you know, he'll start chatting with somebody behind the counter. I mean, and this was 15 years ago, 12 years ago that I worked there. It's kind of hard not to recognize him if you know anything about restaurants now, but when he wasn't so big a face, people would ask him what he did, and he, he would say he was a cook, and that's the end of the story. He didn't have to tell you he owned the French Laundry and Per Se, and he had two, you know, Michelin restaurants. Or he just he's just a cook, and I think that... Right. When people lose sight of how basic a thing it is, you know, if you if you have a restaurant <clears throat> that's great for you, but there's no need to tell everybody that you. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm over I'm over speaking this point, but the 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 most successful people I've seen in this business have almost always been the most humble, and they're servants, and that's that's what we are. We are servants, no matter what the semantics around that indicate. We are servants to the people who are paying our bills, and the more we recognize that. The more owners recognize that, the more successful they'll be. And when they lose sight of that, and instead, well, I'm the owner, and if you don't like it, you can get out, that attitude creeps into people, and that's when it starts to go downhill real fast. Mm. Now, that right, creeps into right, other mentality as well. That, that creeps into the yeah. staff. It gets right into the staff. It affects everybody. Yeah. 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 Dude, I think that's a great story about Thomas. Is it Thomas Keller? Is that what you said? Yeah, Thomas Keller. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so you're... Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to, you know, for those of you listening, I can't tell you how many folks that I've interviewed over the years uh, for our book or our videos or this podcast that have told have said, you know, something similar. Like, I mean, it's so painfully obvious to me now that that's a huge issue in the business, and if you if you let ego get in the way, it will it will set you up for failure. And guys like Thomas Keller, the reason he doesn't have to have an ego is because. Because he he is successful. Why does he need to? Like it doesn't matter. Like what matters right. is that you know he's he's uh, he's humble and he works hard and has passion for what he does and he's created some incredible restaurants. Why do you need at that point to go blab about people uh, or, or blab about it? It's you know it kind of reminds me. Uh, you mentioned elite athletes earlier, so I'll. Uh, I'll bring an example up that I always found was really interesting. Um, uh, some of you listening maybe may have not been around when he was playing, but you remember Brent, remember when Barry Sanders was playing in the NFL? Oh, of course. Yeah, so Barry Sanders was like, I mean, he retired early. He's like one of the best running backs ever. I mean, he was just ridiculously talented. He played on this horrible team, you know, the Detroit Lions. He was still phenomenal. He would just do things that you just shouldn't be able to do. But what would he do when he scores? He would just, you know, go hand the ball to the ref. Like, that's he right. Celebrate. He didn't go do big touchdown dances and you know go yell at the crowd. He just handed the ball to the rest and and he went over to the sideline. And why? Because he was so good that he didn't need to tell people. He knew that his his feet spoke for that. And you know it, it was. Uh, I just I thought that was just so cool. He was he was beyond needing to brag about being good. He just was good. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's a, the Vince Lombardi idea that you should act as though you've been in the end zone before. Act as though you've been there before. That's right, my man. Yeah, that's great. Uh, well, yeah, dude, we're we're listen, big fans man. of that philosophy too. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with that point more. We uh, we talked at some length. I've I've talked with different people I've worked with about the idea of 
when you walk into a restaurant and there are awards all over the entryway from magazines or write-ups. And I always thought that was funny because, you know, the restaurant business is the only place where when people walk in the door, they're always there to buy something. They're not shopping for a car and maybe they'll come back. Like they're there, they're there to right. enjoy it. Something has convinced them to come in. We don't need to put in their face that these individuals wrote articles about their opinion of the place and gave us some kind of rating. Like I'm, I'm all about ratings. I love it when people think we're great, but I'm, I'm, equally as concerned when the writer from the New York Times shows up as I am about the opinion of the 18-year-old kid who's taking his girlfriend to prom. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a business of, of everything every day, and I want to make sure that, you know, everybody that works here feels that same way all the time. You know, we, we, we're just dying to know what else we could have done. Yeah, man. Well, I, I really admire so much about all what you, what you just said, Brent, and, uh, I wish you guys the very best, man. I really do. I look forward to following along and following your success. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time because one thing in the restaurant world is you, you're you very busy uh, all the time. I'm sure you have a lot of things on your plate. So thank you for doing this. I know anybody that listens is going to get a ton out of it. And um, I really just appreciate it, man. Hey, well, I'll tell you, I, I, I'd have a lot less time if I wasn't using Schedule Fly, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, we, we're stoked to serve you guys for sure, and uh, we're we're stoked to serve any place that's uh, uh, you know a, a cool independent place where people are just doing things the right way and love what they do and work hard, and um, it just makes my day that we have a chance to do that. So, uh, uh, thank you, and uh, tell your staff and team thank you, and um, just let's stay in touch, man. Absolutely. All right, Brent. Take care, buddy. You too, man. Thanks for the call. All right. See you.